0: Now, if you're new with us, my name's Tran. I'm one of the pastors here. And today, we are in part six of our Imagine series. And in this series, we've been talking about the big vision that God has given us as a church over the next few years to reach more people in our community for Christ. And over the past five weeks, we've explored Ephesians 3.20, which tells us that God is able to do infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about us pursuing our community, serving our community, teaching our community how to live in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We've talked about how our church home, building our church home, can help us reach thousands more in our community for Christ. And then here was my favorite part. Maybe it was your favorite part last week when I talked about how God wants to stretch us to new levels of faith in him. And last week, I told you about my 47-year relationship with God and how God has stretched me continually to grow me spiritually. And then last week, there was a whole bunch of us that stretched these rubber bands across these crosses, signifying that we're telling God, God, you can stretch us. It may not be all that fun. It actually may be painful at times, but God, we're okay with you stretching us because we know there are incredible benefits when we let you do that in our lives. In this past week, we have fasted together. We fasted from some things that we waste time on. Did anybody realize this past week, maybe you waste more time than you realize? A few of us, okay, yeah. And then we prayed together at 3.20, every day in honor of Ephesians 3.20. So thank you for doing that with us this past week. Today, we have reached Commitment Sunday. So today as Commitment Sunday is the day that we as a church family, we tell God we're all in with the vision that he's given us. We are so in, we're willing to make financial investments in that so that more people can come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and as a church. Together, our church family will turn in our intention cards of what we intend to give over the next two years to the vision that God has given us. And what happens today will lead us into the next chapter of our epic adventure as a church. Now, for those of you who are new, you might be thinking, I came on the wrong Sunday. Like, it's commitment Sunday. Like, why didn't I come on another Sunday? But I think you came on a great Sunday, and here's why. We're not asking anything from you other than to watch and see how serious we are as a church family at reaching people for Christ. Again, we're so serious, we're willing to commit, we're willing to sacrifice, and we're willing to give of our time, talents, and treasures so that that can happen. Again, I'm so glad you're with us if you're new. Now, if you've been coming over the past few weeks, over the past few months, I'm glad you're still with us. And if, if you're excited about seeing spiritually lost people be found then I invite you to join us in whatever way that seems appropriate for you. So at the end of our service, we're gonna celebrate communion together, and I'll explain how we'll do that in just a few minutes. But today, as we, as a church family, take a big step of faith forward towards the vision that God has for us, I wanna take us back 3,500 years ago when the people of God, the Israelites, were taking a big step of faith, trusting God to do something supernatural for them in a moment when they needed him to show up. And if you've been watching the news, you know that there's a whole lot of that going on right now, that uh, that the Israelites need that. And so scripture is clear about us praying for peace in Jerusalem. So let's just pause for a moment and let's pray together for peace. God, there's been conflict in the Middle East for a very long time. And Lord, we pray, as scripture tells us, to pray for peace in Jerusalem. Lord, there are innocent lives. There are innocent Israeli lives. There are innocent Palestinian lives that uh, have been sacrificed, that that are being stuck in the balance in this war. And Lord, we pray for protection for those innocent people. Lord, we pray for peace to come to Jerusalem, to Israel, and to that region of the world, for everyone who lives there. And Lord, we know that peace can only come when we understand what it means to have a relationship with you. That's what true peace means. So Lord, may they experience true peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for doing that with me. So here's what was happening for the Israelites 3,500 years ago. They had just gotten out of slavery to the Egyptians for 400 years, and God sent Moses to free them from that slavery. And when Moses freed them, he freed around 2 million people, around 2 million slaves, and he led them to the promised land, which was land that God had promised to give them. So if you understand Israel right now, you understand that they occupy much of the land that God had promised to give them, but they don't occupy all the land that God had promised to give them. So Moses led them to the promised land. And when they got to the edge of the promised land, the Israelites were afraid. They said, the people that live in the, in the land, the nations that are there, they're too big, they're too, too powerful, we won't be able to defeat them. And so they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. So at the end of 40 years, Moses died, and God selected the next leader for the Israelites to be Joshua. Moses' assistant. So listen to what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter one, verse two. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I've given you from the Negev wilderness in the South to the Lebanon mountains in the North from the Euphrates river in the East to the Mediterranean Sea in the West, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. And then in verse nine, God makes this statement that is a very well known statement. It's a very well known verse today. You may have seen it on a coffee mug. You may have seen it on a t shirt. You may have it framed in your home. And he made this statement. He said, This is my command be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that was a huge promise from God to Moses, and it was transferred on to Joshua and again to the Israelites. So three days later, Joshua gathered the Israelites and led them towards the edge of the Jordan River to the spot that God wanted them to cross. So let me show you where they were at on a map. So right here is the Jordan River. That's the Dead Sea. And these are the Moab Mountains. And that is the region where the Israelites were, where God led them right to the edge of the Jordan River. And they were to cross right at at the top of the Dead Sea. And the first city that they were going to come into battle with was Jericho. So that's the region. That's what that looks like. Now, you can tell here well, maybe you can't tell from this, but the Jordan River is not all that big. Uh, it, it's not a large river. I've had the opportunity to uh, baptize some of our church members in that river on several trips that we've taken to Israel. And when you're there, you'll notice like, it, it's not all that big except during rainy season. When it's rainy season, it gets large. And especially in that region. So here's a picture of what that looks like uh, in rainy season. So at its widest point during rainy season, the Jordan River is two miles wide and it's a hundred feet deep. So that's a little bit of an obstacle. You know, you think for two million people to cross, again, guess where God asked them to cross. It was right at the widest point, the deepest point during rainy season. He didn't lead them several miles up the river where they could have crossed at a much narrower point. He led them to cross at the most difficult point for them to cross. Now, there was this big obstacle standing between them and the promised land. And I found that that is true for much of our lives. You know, When you think about uh, the obstacles that stand between you and God's promises or you and the spiritual life that you desire or the spiritual life that God desires for you, there are always obstacles between us and that. There are belief obstacles, there are faith obstacles, there are health obstacles, there are financial obstacles, there are relationship obstacles, there are always obstacles between us and the promises of God or the spiritual life that God has for us. And I wonder for you today, what's the obstacle standing in your way from that next level of faith or that deeper relationship with God that you can have? What is that obstacle? What is it that you are saying, like, that's too big? Like, I don't think it's possible for me to cross that big obstacle to get to the place that God wants me. What's the obstacle that's holding you back from taking that next step with God? And will you trust God? help you overcome that obstacle. So I'm sure the Israelites thought that crossing the Jordan was impossible at that time, at that location, with two million people. I'm sure they thought it was impossible, and I'm sure they thought it was especially impossible when they found out what God told Joshua to tell them to do. And and when they heard that, I think they probably thought, God, you're out of your mind, and Joshua, you are certainly out of your mind. So God, through Joshua, he he didn't tell them to send the warriors out first to figure a way across the river. He didn't send the engineers out first. Guess who he sent out first? He sent out the priests. He sent out the priests first. And I'm sure they're thinking, what are we going to do? Pray our way across that thing? Like I I don't know if that's going to go real well. But that's what God sent. He sent the priests out. And here's what he told them to do. He said, I want you to carry the Ark of the Covenant across the river first. And if you're not familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, maybe you've seen the, one of the Indiana Jones movies, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you've seen that, that's the Ark we're talking about. But that's not the original Ark, obviously. God, only God knows where the original Ark is. But let me show you a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant was a very special box that God had Moses build. And it was overlaid in gold. It was four feet wide, two feet tall, and two feet deep. So it's not all that big of a box. It contained the 10 commandments that God had given Moses. It contained several other very special things. It had these angels with their wings stretched across the top of the ark, signifying God's presence in Israel. So God's presence with his people in the Old Testament. That That was viewed to be as a seat the seat that God himself would sit on. And this box was so special, anyone who touched it would die. So, you know, you think your job is stressful? Imagine being one of the priests trying to manage this thing. So it it was so um, special that they had to carry it with these special poles that would go through these rings on the corners, these rings here. So they had to slide poles through the rings and then they would carry it. And again, nobody wanted to touch the ark. So here's what God told the priests to do. He told them to carry the ark to the edge of the river and then take a few steps into the river and wait there. And again, remember, it's rainy season. The river is at its widest point, And that's where God has told them to cross with this object that if anybody drops it and then touches it, they're going to die. So imagine like this was probably a little stressful of a time for those priests that were chosen to carry the ark. And there were typically four priests that were chosen to carry the ark. And just think about what they had to do in that moment to make this work. So they had to work together. They had to communicate clearly about what they were doing. They had to commit to stepping into the river at the same time if they didn't work all that out really well and make their steps together. Again, somebody's gonna trip, somebody's gonna fall, this thing's going down, somebody's dying. So they had to communicate very well. If the the front two priests were fully committed to step in, and the back two priests were partially committed to step in, like it's not gonna go real well. And again, somebody's gonna end up in trouble. So imagine if you were one of those priests. Imagine if God had selected you, said, guess what? It's your turn. And your turn, and your turn, and your turn. And I want you to carry this ark across the river. If I were one of those priests, I would have a big powwow with everybody else before we crossed. I'd say, all right, guys, let's be very clear. Like, we're going to go on three. So it's one, two, three step. It's not one, two and step. It's not one, two, three. And then step after that, it's on three we're stepping together because I don't want to die. I want to make it home tonight to my wife and kids. So they had to be very clear about stepping. They had to be fully in. They had to be fully committed to step together into this water. Again, someone was going to be in trouble. Now, I don't know if those priests had commitment issues, but today there are many of us who have commitment issues. We struggle to make deep commitments to God and to stepping forward in things that God has called us to. So I have uh, recently heard a a pastor make this powerful statement that, that I think is very convicting to me and probably is convicting to you as well. Listen to what this pastor said. He said, often we make deep commitments to shallow things and shallow commitments to deep things. I read that and go, ouch. Like, wow. Like, really? Like, that hurts. Like, that, that's a little bit painful. And think about some of the interesting commitments that we make. So we make deep commitments to buy the latest phones and gadgets, but we make shallow commitments to giving back to God from what he's given us. We make big commitments to stay connected with our world, and yet we struggle to stay connected to God. We make commitments to help our kids grow academically and athletically, and we make shallow commitments to helping them grow spiritually. We binge watch our favorite Netflix series, and we make big commitments to that, like we'll take a whole weekend for that. And then we struggle to find time to read the Bible or pray. Sometimes we make deep commitments to friendships that are bad for us and shallow commitments to friendships that are good for us. Have I stepped on everybody's toes yet? Anybody I missed? All right, so I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm not trying to point a finger at you. I'm pointing a finger at us, and I think God is stepping on all of our toes. You know, honestly, there are times that I make deep commitments to shallow things and shallow commitments to deep things, and, and that's not okay. Like, together, we all need to learn to make deep commitments to things that matter to God. And several weeks ago, we listened to Jesus in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, and we heard why he came to earth. So Jesus explained, this is the reason I came. This is why I left heaven, to come to earth and and take on human form. He said he came to seek and save those who are lost. So Jesus came to help spiritually lost people be found by God so they can live forever with God in a real place called heaven. And Jesus wasn't partially committed to that. Jesus was fully committed to that. Jesus was so committed to that mission that God the Father had given him, he gave his life for that. He sacrificed his life so that those of us who put our faith and trust in him as our Lord and Savior can live with him forever. Jesus was all in for the mission that God had given him. That's what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to fully commit to pursuing, serving, and teaching our community about Christ and building a church home that'll help us reach thousands more people for him. And there's nothing more significant that we can do with our lives than to live passionately for God and to introduce people to Jesus, the one who can transform their lives forever. It was Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he said, listen, don't store your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, often we'll wonder like, well, how do I store my treasures in heaven? Well, let me explain what the treasures of heaven are. The treasures of heaven are people who put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what the real treasures of heaven are. And, and so I wonder, like, who's gonna be in heaven because of you? I wonder, who's gonna be in heaven because of me? Who's gonna be in heaven because of us? Because we as a church family said, listen, we're willing to store our treasures in heaven We're willing to give of our time, talents, and treasures. We're willing to be all in. We're willing to commit so that more people can spend forever and eternity. So I wonder, you know, for all of us, who is going to be in heaven because of us and the sacrifices that we have made. All right, let's go back to our priests who are still standing on the side of the Jordan River. So Joshua 3.15 tells us, that as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan, and that's about 15 miles north of where they were at. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. And meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So imagine how long it took for two million people to cross the Jordan River. Imagine being one of those priests holding on to the Ark of the Covenant and standing there waiting for those two million people to, to walk past. I'm thinking that was a very long day. But think about this it was God who was waiting on the priests to step into the water before God decided to work. So God waited on them. God didn't say, listen, I'm going to part the water. Now you can see clearly how to cross this riverbed. So let me part it. And then you just walk across. No, God didn't do that. God said, I want you to take a step first. Once you take a step, then I'll part the water. And then you can walk across on dry ground. So that's where we are as a church today. Today, we are like those priests standing on the edge of the Jordan River with its banks overflowing during rainy season. And if we as a church family are going to cross the obstacles that stand before us, if we're gonna help people get safely onto God's eternal promised land, then we have to work together. We have to commit to taking big steps of faith. We have to take steps of faith before God will work in us and through it. So if some of us are fully committed and others of us are partially committed, it's going to be harder for us to reach more people in our community for Christ. But if we as a church family are committed together to help spiritually lost people be found, and if we take big steps of faith together, we'll see God do more than we can imagine. But again, God is waiting for us to take the first step. All right, back to the Israelites. After everyone was safely on the other side, Joshua told 12 men, one from each tribe of the nation of Israel, to go back into the riverbed and get stones and bring them out to build a monument to God. So here's a a picture that's a sample of what that could have looked like, but it certainly didn't look like this. Because the rocks that the Israelites got out of the riverbed were so large they had to carry them on their shoulders. And there's a really good chance they had to work together to get these large rocks out. And then together, they stack them in such a way to build an, a monument to God. And here's what Joshua told them in Joshua 421. He said, in the future, your children will ask, hey, mom, hey, dad, what do those stones mean? Like There's 12 stones stacked up in this really uh, interesting way. Like What does that mean? Verse 22 says, then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes and he kept it dry until you were all across just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord, your God, forever. Now that word fear, in that verse also means reverence and awe. So Joshua's saying, listen, when, when your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids see this monument, then you'll be able to remind them how powerful God is and that we together will be able to stay in awe and reverence of our powerful God who provides for us and does more than we can ever imagine. So those 12 stones served as a reminder for generations of God's power, his protection, his provision, and his love. And I think that's what our future church building can be like. I think it it can be like a monument that reminds us and it reminds our community of God's power, his protection, his provision, and his love for us. And as we pursue, serve, and teach our community how to live in a life-changing relationship with Jesus, our building can be a tool that helps us reach more people for Christ. It can be the place where we gather people and teach people about a a real relationship with Jesus. It'll be the place where our community comes to understand that God is for them and God cares about them because of our care and counseling ministry that, that they may interact with. It'll be the place where we hold worship services and prayer services and community events and church picnics and concerts and conferences. It'll be the place where our children and students will be able to proudly invite their friends to church where they can meet Jesus. And it will be the place that's always open to anyone and everyone who wants to learn the teachings of Jesus and how those teachings can radically transform their lives. So here's what I hope happens when people drive past our building as it's being built and when it's finished. I hope people will drive past and say, you know what? That's the place that says God's for me. You know, that's the place that says God cares about me. You know, that's the place that has a care and counseling ministry that serves our community. That's the place that goes into our community on these these weird days called 3G Sunday or 3G Saturday, and they serve all over our, our community. That's the place that says God really loves me. And whether they fully believe all that or not, I want them to know where we are so when they hit their next crisis, they have a place to turn. You know what, we're all just one crisis away from opening the doors of our heart to Jesus, and when that crisis happens for people in our community, I want them to know where they can turn for help because God's for them, and so are we. So I want you to listen to one couple at Epic who's all in, and they're excited about the the vision that God's given us I want you to listen to the Schaefer's story.
1: What drew us to Epic? Well, we were going to a, a church in St. Augustine. It was a good church, but it was just too far away. We couldn't get involved. And so we talked to some friends, and we just heard a lot of good things about Epic from some of the friends we talked to and other people. So we decided, hey, let's one Sunday, let's just drive over and go to Epic and see what this place is all about. And so we went there, and, and it was a friendly church, and, and we loved the teaching.
2: Yeah, we liked um, being in a church that was more close to where we live so that we could get involved in the community. I really like that they just were real goal-oriented on blessing people with the resources they have. I think that it's a real goal of theirs to bless the people in the church, to bless the community.
1: We got to know people easily. It just felt like home, so we just kept coming back. We never had a desire to go looking anyplace else since then having a permanent home is important because it's a permanent home it's a facility that can be used seven days a week I believe we'll be able to reach the community in a much more effective way And when it comes down to it that's what it's all about you know we're trying to reach the people in this community to love them into a relationship with Jesus
2: I keep going back to my main thing is that it's it's really good soil here they're really blessing other people whether It be in the community or the church or overseas, and they're doing it to show the love of Jesus, and it works. I really am hoping and imagining that the facility will be used a lot you know it's not going to be just on sundays and a couple meetings on the weekends you know i hope it will be reaching out to all kinds of people that society hasn't reached out to or didn't even know how to reach out to but because we have god we can
1: it's all about the great commission if having a facility enables epic to reach people in not only Flagler County, but around the world. EPIC does have a heart for missions, South America and Central America and around the world. If that facility can help accomplish that goal of reaching people for God's kingdom, then that's what we need to do.
2: I truly believe that the leadership here believes that it is not their church, it is Jesus' church. I believe that they're asking His opinion on what they should do and to me shows in uh, the decisions they make. I trust the leadership to make wise decisions with Christ's opinion in there.
0: Will you help me thank Rob and Vicki? So Rob and Vicki have been part of our church family for the past 12 or 13 years, and they're so excited about what God is doing here in our church family. Like, they're all in. They're committed to that. But, But here's where they're at right now. Several years ago, or maybe it was a year ago, God moved them back to Colorado. So they're in Colorado. That makes us sad, but guess what? They're part of our online audience, and they watch regularly from Colorado. And we're so grateful for technology that, that lets us do that. And you may not know this, but we have about 175 devices connected with us every Sunday for our services. So that's not 175 people. There's 175 devices, which means it certainly could be a whole lot more people. We have people in Flagler County that are watching online. We have people in the United States. We actually have people around the world that are watching as well. So I recently met a guy in our community by the name of Tom. And I met Tom at the gym. I was walking out of the gym, and Tom stopped me and said, hey, you're epic, aren't you? And uh, I wasn't sure if he was upset at me or if he was going to celebrate what we were doing. So I'm like, sheepishly, yep, I am, Tom. And we had a great conversation. He said, listen, I watch you weekly uh, with some friends of mine at our apartment complex. So Tom, if you're watching today, uh, I'll see you in the gym. And uh, thank you for watching. We actually have someone from India who watches almost weekly, her name is Lily Grace, and she interacts with us online weekly. And Lily Grace, if you're watching today, we are so glad through technology that you can be a part of our church family. So our online community, they're excited about what God is doing here, just like we are on campus. And so many of them are giving towards the, the imagined vision that God has given us, just like Rob and Vicky are. And we're going to transition in just a minute. We're going to take communion together. And then our church family is going to turn in our intention cards together. And before we do that, let me just explain a few things for you. So when it comes to communion at Epic, we believe communion should be open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you've made that decision, then we invite you, we encourage you to be a part of our communion time, whether you call this your church home or not. If you're watching online, I encourage you to get some juice, get some bread or some crackers, and get prepared for when we take communion here on campus. Now, there are several cards on your seat that I encourage you to grab. There's a prayer card, there's an intention card, and then there is an envelope there as well. I'm going to walk you through all of these so you know what to do with them here in just a minute. Now, for those of you who are new with us, uh, when you look at our intention card, you might say, hey, I'm brand new, I'm not sure this is going to be my church home, I'm not ready for all that, or "I'm, I'm not interested in that. Like, I get it. If you're in that spot, totally understand. Feel no obligation for that part. Now, what I do encourage you to do is fill out one of our prayer cards. So fill out our prayer card. Tell us how we can be praying for you. And we've been praying for 800 plus people throughout this series. And it would be an honor for us to be praying for you as well during this time. Now, for those of you who are a part of our church family and who are going to, to turn in an attention card, here's what I encourage you to do. So if you brought your card from home from the past few weeks that we've handed these out, great. You just slip that into the envelope that's there. If not, then you'll have a few minutes to fill this card out. I'm going to walk you through how to do that just one more time, just for anybody who's new. I know most of you don't need that information, but for anybody who might be new. So it'll help you understand how to fill that out. So let me show show you what that card looks like here on the screen. So there's several boxes. Top box says what I are we normally given a year. So whatever that is, you would put that there. The second box down says my expanded financial giving to imagine. You'd put that there, whatever you sense God might leading might be leading you to, to expand that to. You'd add those together. Then you'd multiply that by two years. So that's the, the extent of our imagined vision, the, the campaign that we have together. That would be your new normal and then you would add this here. It says plus stored gifts. So maybe you've got something that that God's leading you to sell and, and give the money from that. Or maybe there's some special savings that you have and God asks you to give a portion of that. I have no idea what resources that you have access to. But if God leads you to give something like that, that would go in that category where you would write that amount there, you'd add that together, and that would be your total investment, what you would intend to give over the next two years to our imagined vision. Now let me show you what that looks like with some numbers, okay? So let's say you typically give $1,000 $1,000 a year, and if you sense God asking you to, to stretch and give 500 more, you'd add that together. That's 1500 times two years. That's $3,000. let us say God wanted you to give something of worth of about $1,000. You'd add that there. You put that together. That's $4,000 that you would give over the next few years. So example two. Let's say you typically give around $5,000 a year. And maybe God's stretching you to give another couple thousand. If you'd add that together, that's 7,000. Times two years, that's 14,000. Maybe God's asking you to give something of worth about $2,000. You'd add that together, that's $16,000 that you'd give over the next two years. Now, as I've said over the past few weeks when I've talked about this, I have no idea what those numbers look like for you. For some of you, that's way high. For others of you, that's way low. Again, I have no idea where you're at on your spiritual journey and what God is saying to you. I just want to give you some examples of what that could look like for you. One of the things that we do ask for those who are participating is make sure you write your name, your phone number, and your email clearly at the bottom of this. And we need that for tax purposes only. So please make sure that you're really clear on that. And for those who have already turned in your intention card, we had a, a worship service on September 24th where our leaders went first, and we turned in our, our intention cards already. If you've already done that, just write duplicate on your card and then slip that in. If you've got a prayer request, put that in your envelope as well. And you'll notice on the back of these envelopes, there's several boxes. You've got two boxes. On one side, uh, it says, what step are you taking? So some of us are taking a first-time giver step. So if that's you, just check that box. Some are taking the percentage giver step and committing to give you know, a certain percentage of your income. You would check that one. Maybe you're, you're doing the tithing step, intentional giving, or legacy step. You check whatever that applies to you. And then on the right-hand side, also, check anything that applies to you there. All right, then you're going to put everything in your envelope. And then we're going to turn that in Uh, together as a church family as we come forward. So um, this might be a little bit complicated, but we're going to do this a little differently than what we typically do when we take communion. So I'm going to ask everybody to come up this middle aisle to our PST box. Again, Pursue, Serve, and Teach Your Community About Jesus. And there is a hole in the top of the box. And so when you come up, just drop your card in there. And then go to the right, go to the left, and pick up our communion elements in these communion cups and pick up one of our Imagine LEGO bricks. Okay, So there's little buildings here on the side. We actually have one in our family zone as well. So there's little buildings on the side. So as you walk over, just take one of these and let it remind you to pray for the building that God's asked us to build to reach our community for him. And then everybody sit back down at your seat. Don't take communion yet, because I will guide Everybody through communion at the same time. All right, I know I just gave you a whole lot of instructions, so let me try to summarize. Communion is open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus. If you aren't participating in our Imagine Vision, uh, just write out a a prayer request, bring that up, and drop that in as you come forward. If you are participating, just put your, your card in your envelope, fill out the back of that, drop that off, go to the right or left, pick up your communion elements, get your Imagine Lego brick, and then sit back down And I will guide all of us through communion together. Hopefully, all of that makes sense. All right, I'm going to pray. And then when I'm finished praying, then you're free to get up out of your seats and come up this middle aisle, and we'll get our communion elements together. So let's pray. God, today, we are like those Old Testament priests standing on the edge of the Jordan River. Lord, there's an obstacle between us and the promises that you've given us, between us and the the mission that you have for us of reaching more people in our community and beyond for you. Lord, you know what, what those obstacles are. And Lord, you're asking us to take a step before you work. We're asking that you would do infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine And yet, God, at the same time, you're asking us to take a step first. You're waiting for us to take a step of faith and and allow you to stretch us to new levels of faith. Lord, you're waiting for us to say, you know, I'm all in. My time, talents, and my treasures. So God, you've clearly spoken to some of us already. Others of us are still maybe not quite sure what you've been saying to us. So Lord, I pray in this moment that you'd be crystal clear and that we would hear what you're trying to say. God, I don't know if you're gonna say to anybody here like what you've said to Tammy and I, but after we filled out our card and turned that in, you said, I I want you to take another step. And so, Lord, we filled out a new card and turned that in. So today, God... Maybe you're asking somebody to take another step. And Lord, I pray that we would just respond and do what you are asking us to do. Lord, this is an individual thing. This is something between us and you, it's not between us and each other. So, God, speak to us, stretch us, grow us. Lord, I pray that you would take our tithes and our offerings, and and you would use them like the five loaves of bread and two fish that you multiplied to feed thousands of people in the New Testament. Lord, that you would take our resources and you would multiply them so that we can reach thousands of people for you. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen. You're now free to move from your seats, come up the middle aisle, and get your communion elements. All right, everybody, before we take communion, let me just remind you that these cups have two lids. There's a smaller lid that leads to the wafer, and I encourage you to open that side first. And then there's a larger lid that leads to the juice that we'll celebrate together in just a minute. So go ahead and open the smaller lid. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23, It says, on the night when he, meaning Jesus, was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So let's take the bread together. Verse 25 says, in the same way, he took the the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So communion reminds us of the sacrifice that God paid for us. It reminds us that God was fully committed to helping us be spiritually found by him. It also reminds us of the sacrifice that that we should be willing to pay so that other people can be found by, by God as well. So let's take the juice together. God, what an honor it is for us to celebrate communion here today. Lord, in recognition that one day soon you're coming back as King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And Lord, as that day is is coming rather soon, I believe, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of people to lead in the direction of you. We've got a lot of people to help cross the obstacles that stand before them in that personal relationship with you. So Lord, may we as a church family be so committed Lord, that we'll give of our time, our talents, and our treasures to store eternal treasures in heaven. And that's people who put their faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Now, before you leave today, let me remind you of what's coming. So next Sunday is 3G Sunday, and that's the opportunity for us to serve in our community in some really big ways. If you have not signed up for that yet, please stop by in our lobby so that you can sign up for that. And then after that, on October 29th, we're gonna be back together here with our regular services, and we're gonna to learn together what it means for us and for how we can help people go from spiritual death to spiritual life. So we'll do that on October 29th, then on November 5th. Again, that's our baptism day. It's also celebration Sunday, where I'll let you know the commitments that we've made as a church family to the vision that God has given us. And that Sunday is also called First Fruit Sunday. So that's the official launch to us giving towards our imagined vision. And uh, for those of you who have asked, some of you have asked that you have some cash resources that you are willing to give and ready to give, that Sunday would be a great day for that because that'll help us step out of our permitting process and into land clearing and the next steps for our building process. So if you're wondering when to give that, November 5th would be a great day to do that. So everybody, thanks for being here today. Special day for those of us as part of our church family. And if you're new with us, I'd love to meet you after the service. I'll be right down here up front. I'd love to welcome you to our church family. And for everybody else, please make sure you say hi to someone that you have not met yet before you leave. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.